Hello. Happy Monday. Mondays are weird, aren't they? Aren't Mondays weird days? I hope that today I'm going to make your Monday a little bit sweeter, a little bit richer. So today's title, Takedown of Vice's hit piece on Andrew Tate. I watched the Vice documentary. It's not a documentary, it's a hit piece. It's also garbage. So I'm going to break down piece by piece of this. We're going to do this in an interesting way today. So let me tell you how it's going to go down. Then I'm going to tell you who this show is brought to you by. a very special partner that I'm really proud to partner with. And then we're going to go step by step through this whole documentary. So what do I plan to do with this? I am not going to show clips from the documentary. The reason is, well, first of all, it's garbage. It really is. Um, Save your time. You know, when I think of things that you could better do with your time, on that list is like, go brush your teeth with toilet water. I mean, it's really just horrible what they put forth, really ridiculous. I'm also not going to show clips from that because I was told by numerous people that they were getting copyright flags, even though it's already on YouTube at this point. I'm not going to risk it. I'm not going to give them any chance to have a reason to pull this down. We all know how the matrix works, right? So you're just going to have me. I'm going to go through what they did here, what they intentionally left out, what they deceived about, um, and what the larger mainstream media agenda is. And by the way, I thought about it, and I said, at first I said, do I just ignore this? I'm going to talk to you about why you can't do that, why you can't choose that path. And then I thought, you know, for the last 10 years or so since I've been in this business, I've been the biggest nightmare of mainstream media. So I thought, you know what? I have a duty. (laughs) So I'm going to do what I do best. You know, in Taken, y'all know that movie, Taken? Um, where Liam Neeson says, I have a very particular set of skills. I laugh because so do I. (laughs) My set of skills is to destroy and wreck mainstream media garbage like this. So we're going to do it little by little. First, I'm going to tell you who the show is brought to you by. Bear with me here. It's a great company. Y'all know I care about your health. Y'all know I care about wellness. Y'all know I care about how folks in the matrix, y'all saw that recent food pyramid that came out where it was like saying that lucky charms were healthier than steak. Mm -hmm. So I am here to undo a lot of that. And one of the companies that I'm working with to help keep you healthy, get you healthy is Cosandrinos. They make an organic olive oil that is fantastic. It's the only olive oil I use for my family. I love my olive oil. I'm Italian. You know, I love it. This is a veteran owned company. It is a family owned and operated company. It's the only olive oil I use. And here's why. It's free of chemicals. It's free of pesticides. It's certified organic. It is 100% fresh farm to table. Why is that important? Well, a lot of the olive oil that you buy in the store is rancid by the time you ingest it. Not just olive oil, but avocado oil. There was a whole big study on avocado oil recently. People thought they were doing something good. Turns out most of it was rancid. That means it's gone bad by the time you ingest it. It compromises the taste. It compromises the nutrient density of of the food, all of that. Cosentrinos makes sure that that doesn't happen. They make sure that when you place an order on their website, you are getting a fresh batch, which means it's not rancid, which means the antioxidant content is high, which means the taste is amazing because it hasn't been compromised by being exposed to light and all sorts of things that happen when it makes its way to the grocery store shelves and then sits there for day after day after day. So let me tell you some things about this company. I told you they use pesticide-free farming, no nasty chemicals. These are, by the way, um, peak antioxidant absorption due to the freshness, and the olives are hand-picked. Hand-picked. 
I love that. Not machine harvested. They're stored in climate-controlled warehouses till the day they are shipped. Now, listen, if you're on a special diet, I know they're all out there. These are non-GMO verified, keto certified. So if you're keto, paleo certified, certified organic, cold pressed to preserve nutrients. I have a special deal for you today. You use a special code, Jedediah, you're going to get 25% off. In the description, you click on that link. It's going to be, it's going to take you right over to the website and you're automatically going to get your 25% off. It's awesome. I'm telling y'all, you are not going to be upset. It's delicious. It's the most delicious olive oil. I don't know what, I'm like cooking just to use the olive oil. I'm not kidding. Cosandrinos, 25% off, code Jedediah. All right, let's get healthy. Let's spite the matrix. What's the best way to spite the matrix? Get healthy. All right. So as I was saying, this is going to be an interesting show. I thought of different ways to do it, and I decided the best way to do it was to just expose them little by little. So they title the documentary. Imagine the nerve to call this a documentary. Did y'all see it, by the way? Unreal. They title it The Dangerous Rise of Andrew Tate. (laughs) No bias there right from the start. There's the ominous music. You see his silhouette. It's like... I didn't know at times if I was watching a badly produced horror film. I didn't know. I was in some type of underworld watching this thing. I watched it so you don't have to. So Matt Shea is the guy who is interviewing Andrew and who goes, you know, to meet with the Tates. They let him into their home. They take him to, uh, we'll talk about the war room and what goes on there. They go into the mountains. They were very gracious to him as far as I could tell. And truthfully, the, the, the voiceover that they have of Matt is very strange. It really sounds like if someone were pr- to produce a low-budget horror film, what would it look like? That's it, okay? So it starts out right away. You see what the agenda is. You hear him say, Andrew Tate, this is the quote, whose extreme misogynist views. Then they cut to an image of Andrew, a short, actually. And you may know this one, where Andrew was saying what he would do if a woman attacked him. It's that thing where, oh, the machete and this, that. But they leave all the context out of it. And that is a trend that you see throughout the documentary, which is that they cut all of these clips of Andrew from outside sources and they inject them without context into their hit piece. And the goal, of course, is to make you think that he's dangerous and that he's a misogynist. But all of these little clips have no context. So if you know his content, you're saying, well, that's not what happened. Or where's the before? You're already irritated, right, by the time you see these. Okay. So Matt Shea shows up at the Tate house. That's how it starts. And I got to be honest with you, right from the get-go, he looks like a snake. And I know I grew up in Brooklyn around a lot of former mobsters. And I I kind of have that chip to detect a snake this guy looks like a snake right from the outset and I saw some people who were there saying he wasn't a bad guy he was nice what he looks like and when when I say snake I mean a media snake and what these people are are people who are deathly afraid of the system of the employer of the media company they need to be liked they need you to retweet them they need you to think they're the good guys that's a snake right because what you will come to learn is that this guy showed up for a certain story, right? He was told, go in. It's very clear. As somebody who's been in media for a long time, it's very clear what happened here. They decided, okay, we're going to get a certain story out of this. And this guy was sent in, and he wasn't getting it. 
He wasn't getting it. So there was a desperation and a panic that, that set in, and you can see his anxiety. It's actually so pronounced that you can see it coming through the screen. He's trying to make that conflict happen. He's, he's trying to make that moment happen, and most of them fall flat. So what do they do? They interject some clip of Tate with no context to try to maximize the heat of the moment. Like, well, we, we couldn't make it happen on the ground, so this will make the audience mad. It, it's very sad, actually. This is a guy who clearly would sell his soul to the devil for media. And for whatever Vice told him they needed to get. I, I'm sorry. I don't need to know him <laughs> to make that judgment. It's very apparent to me as having been around media types for the last decade. Right off the bat, there's a conversation in the documentary. I'm going to use the word documentary for the sake of it. You know, sometimes I like I use the word vaccine and then I do that. I mean, it, it, this will get exhausting after a while, but just know that it's not a documentary. Um, he has a conversation with Andrew right off the bat. Andrew says something about, I don't have loser friends. You can tell that that conversation is significantly edited. That conversation, Andrew was probably trying to say, like, hey, I surround myself with guys who want to make something happen. They immediately try to paint him as somebody who's all about money. That becomes very, very, very clear from the get-go. Then they show these shots. I don't know if you saw this. And by the way, get in the chat because Super Chats will be read today. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button. I want to hear your voices. I'm sure some of you have seen this and want to share your own thoughts on what went down. How many of you caught the shots of the women cleaning? Okay, that's intentional. That's intentional. They want to create this paradigm immediately that these women are enslaved because you see them, they're dressed up and they're, they're cleaning the countertop as if no one anywhere in a house cleans their countertop. I cleaned my countertop like three times this morning. Am I enslaved? No, honey. No, honey. But it was a marketing scheme, right? Oh, let's show these women dressed up cleaning. Yeah, that'll go over well with the audience. That'll help us make our point. Then they have a conversation with Andrew about a sword. I don't know if you've seen, those of you who, who follow his content um, on Rumble, probably have seen him talk with the sword and he'll talk about how the sword can be a symbol of empowerment and the sword can make a man feel like a man. He goes on and on about the sword. Well, they try to embarrass him in that conversation very clearly. Um, and they try to make it look stupid, right? It's, what's interesting to me is that Matt Shea makes it abundantly clear right from the start that he, he really has very little comprehension about men and why it feels good for men to behave like men, and to have some authority, and to have some degree of toughness, and to be able to get in a ring, we'll talk about all that. This sword moment was interesting for me. If you go back and you watch it, you'll see they're trying to make a mockery out of him, but Matt totally misses what's being said, which is fascinating. Then they say this quote about Andrew. Andrew's unashamed, misogynistic, and violent views so far seem to match his YouTube persona. YouTube persona? Is he, he's, not even, he's not on YouTube. What are you even talking about? But they're trying to make a correlation here between the short clips and the shorts that you've seen of Andrew that have triggered a lot of people that nine out of 10 times are not contextualized, that nine out of 10 times don't have surrounding content that would tell you what was actually going on in there, and the real guy. So they're trying to say, that's really him. What you, you thought he was bad, he really is. That's the messaging there. Nauseating. Just because it's, it's so unbelievably agenda-driven right from the start. And frankly, they could have gone on in there and done a real documentary. And it would have been really fascinating to actually see, see what was going on objectively. But that's not the goal of Vice. And we'll get to that in a little bit. I'm going to talk to you about why this happened. I'm going to talk to you about what I would have told the Tates to do in this situation. I'm not advising them. I don't know them. I would have had a different opinion about how to handle this. And I'm going to tell you, if you're ever in this situation, what to do about it. I've got tips. Yes, I do. So then there's an interesting section that happens. They go to the emergency meeting. You know, that's what um, Andrew's podcast 
the emergency meeting is called on Rumble. He has that, you know. And, and Tristan is there. And what's fascinating to me is Tristan immediately can't stand Matt Shea. Tristan says there's a conversation that happens. And Andrew says, so let me be nice to him before he does a hit piece on me. So there is some awareness by Andrew that, okay, this guy's going to do a hit piece on me. Something bad is going to go down here that is not in my best interest. Tristan says, I've warned my brother that this is a setup. Matt does this little head shake, like, oh, obvious snake. It's a snake move, I'm just saying. And uh, Andrew Tate says, I don't care. We've clearly conquered the internet. I'm clearly unstoppable. Tristan says, you've invited the liberal news media. Tristan immediately knows this isn't going to go well for us. This isn't a good look for us. This is not going to help us. (laughs) Why is this guy here? He knows the guy's a snake. He doesn't like having a snake in his company. company. He's uncomfortable with the snake being on the set and he doesn't trust the process. Tristan says, bro, this is going to be the worst documentary about us to Andrew. And Andrew says, what are they going to say? He has lots of cars and money. All the women love him. He's sexist. Oh, no, please don't put that on the internet. Who cares? Whatever. Here's the thing. And I think this is, I think Andrew does have a bit of an invincibility complex. <laughs> I, think he, I think he has kind of expressed that. And I think he really thought, what are they going to do to me? Right? People who know me, people who like what I bring to the table are going to see through this. Come on in. Do your best to try to get me. And I think Tristan was being a little bit more pragmatic in this case and saying, why is he here, though? There is something to look. What's going to get disseminated about us? How does this help us? And here's what I'm going to say about this. And here's why it matters. These organizations exist to wreck people like Andrew Tate. So there was no part of Vice that was sitting and saying, oh, we're going to go in there and we're going to do an objective documentary on Andrew Tate. That, that was not, there was not a shred of that going on in their minds. What they wanted to do was to go in there and to try to manipulate a situation, to try and emotionally manipulate an audience to, to hate that guy. So they were going to go in, they were going to edit, they were going to cut, they were going to splice, they were going to try to figure out a way to present the narrative that they wanted to present. And here's what I would say to that. Here's why you don't do it. I, and I understand Andrew's perspective. He's like, give it your best shot, right? Here's why you don't do it. Number one, they will get clicks. They will get clicks. They will put out a false narrative on you. There are a lot of people in the population who will not do their own independent research. They can't be bothered. They're lazy. They're this, they're that. They will eat it up. They will swallow it. Those mainstream media outlets have a ton of claws in other areas. So Vice publishes something, and they're connected to a whole bunch of other places, right, that then they send it to them, and that person disseminates it. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a matrix network, system network, wherever you want to call it. Something drops and everybody rushes to disseminate the narrative. So it doesn't help you. It just doesn't help you. Secondly, you're making them money. You're making them money because you're enabling them to get views off you, which, by the way, Vice desperately needed because everybody knows it's a garbage, uh, I don't even want, I don't even know what to call it, news organization. I mean, no. It's just a garbage network, let's call it. And they weren't getting clicks. So you're giving them clicks. You're making them money. Don't make them money. Don't make them money. And they will utilize you to get that narrative out. Now, I will tell you, if you're going to do something like this, here's what I would have done. I would have taped the taping. So you put a clause in there. This is what I would have told the tapes. Uh, And I don't know who authorized this. Maybe it was Andrew. Maybe Andrew was like, come on in. I don't know how much he knew about Vice. I don't know. It seems like he's kind of like having fun with the whole thing. But I would have said, okay, guys, you know what? We're going to let you do this. But just just because we're going to tape the taping. We're going to have our cameras rolling as well because then what you would have caught is all of the off moments. You would have caught this Matt Shea 
having a grand old time with everybody, partying it up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is what some a lot of people on the ground were saying. This guy was nice. He was having a good time. And all of a sudden he turned. You would have caught all that. And you would have said, oh, hey, oh, we were so hateful. Check out this clip. And oftentimes they will try to prevent you from doing that. But I'll tell you this. If they want the interview bad enough, they're going to let you do it. Tape the taping. Have your cameras rolling. And let me tell you something else. If they know your cameras are rolling, they're going to be extremely cognizant. Maybe they'll say they don't want to do the interview. What a sign that is. If they say, oh, no, we don't want to do the interview because your cameras are running as well. Well, they're telling you they're going to try to propagandize it. They're telling you they're going to lie. That is the biggest giveaway. That's what I would do. I would tape the taping. Then the guy says, Matt says, oh, during an ad break at the emergency meeting, Andrew breaks character. Meaning that he takes off his headphones. He's not talking into the mic. I mean, obviously, not, I don't walk down the street like this, doing all this, right? I, I'm telling you what I believe, but I'm not walking down the street with a microphone in hand, being like, oh, you're open like a 7-Eleven to the girl. No, this is a show. I'm, trying to, I'm giving you content. Of course, Andrew Tate doesn't walk around his house with the same demeanor as when he's talking into a microphone and looking into a camera. I mean, how ridiculous is this? But the reason that Matt Chase says that is because there was a narrative that they were trying to get out there, which is this guy's a phony. This guy's not real. It's an act. What you see is not what you get. Don't believe it. He doesn't even believe it. That's what they're trying to sell you. Do we have Super Chats already, Angel, coming in? Okay. So we're going to keep going. Super Chats, get on in there. All right. Vice essentially wants you to believe that Tate doesn't have an organic following. So the next part goes into the Tate content machine. Y'all familiar with the affiliate marketing program and Hustlers University, and that's been talked about a lot, which is where guys that are members of Hustlers University would disseminate Tate content and put a link back to Hustlers University. Well, they call, they call it a scheme in the documentary. Why is it a scheme? Why is it a scheme? Are, are these people not, they don't want to share the content and they're forced at a, you know, water gun point? I mean, what, what is, why is it a scheme? The reason that they talk about the affiliate marketing program is because they want you to believe that Andrew Tate doesn't have an organic following, which is utterly ridiculous. I mean, the guy has people paying $5,000 to go to an event in the mountains as part of the war room and learn how to sharpen their skills of, be, of, of being a man, their fitness. Their, it's ridiculous to say that this guy doesn't have an organic following. A better move, Vice, would have been to say, let's figure out why this guy has the following that he has. Is there, is there some void happening in our society that Andrew Tate has this following? What is he appealing to in men? What is missing that men feel that they need someone to look up to who's not telling them that their masculinity is toxic? Let's get that story. No, they're not interested because that would have had to be an actual documentary and that wasn't the point of this. This was propaganda. That's all they're interested in. And we'll get to Vice, by the way, what they're saying about pedophilia. Nasty. Nasty. All right. So... Matt says this quote, which is indicative. And I know it's hard without the clips, but I just can't, I can't risk it. So you're going to have to just trust me. Matt says, I'm starting to wonder whether he's just a living meme. Some kind of viral marketing campaign to swindle money from confused young men or if he really believes what he says. Again, this is an effort to say this guy's not real. He's a meme. He doesn't believe what he's saying. Don't believe what he's saying because he doesn't believe it either. That's what they're trying to do here. He's phony. He's this. Insert ominous music. Silhouette of Andrew Tate. I mean, it was just like, by the end, I was just like, you know, ridiculous. I had to, by the way, I had to watch this thing twice for y'all. That's how much I love you. 
in the chat. You're not super chatting, but I had a, twice I had to watch this thing so that you don't have to. All right. Bottom line is Vice created the story that they wanted. They sat at home before they went and interviewed him. They said, this is the story we want. This is what we want to portray. This is the messaging. If, whether we find it or not, this is how it's going to be cut. This is the story that we're going to tell to the audience. There's a scene where they're playing chess. Did you all see that scene? There's a scene where Andrew is playing chess with um, Matt Shea. And heavily edited scene. I would love to know how long they sat there. Uh, my guess is they probably sat there for an hour. Edited this little scene. Same nonsense over and over again that we've heard Andrew explain a million times. Oh, how do you feel about assault? This, that. We've already heard these things. And Matt says... Andrew says something about female beauty being something, you know, precious. And Matt says, female beauty is extremely valuable in the eyes of men who seek to exploit it. I mean, you could just like hear, it's borderline comedic in a way, the way they did it. Then they cut to another clip without context, blah, 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 blah. Then you see this odd shift. Takes it away from the documentary itself. And you hear women talking, these voices. And you're like, who's that? No names. No faces. They're saying that their exes were radicalized by Andrew Tate. So he somehow thought it was pertinent to a documentary to stick in random women who won't go on record with their name and face just saying things like, it's like a virus, the things that he's spreading. Who is that? By the way, she sounded like she was reading. So I wondered, did they write that? Somebody write that up nice for her and be like, honey, just say that. I don't know. That's what it sounded like. Then you have a quote from a teacher. You have a quote from a 14-year-old. And I'm thinking to myself, do you realize that for every single celebrity, myself included, not to say I'm a celebrity anywhere near Andrew Tate, but any, any public figure, any public figure out there who's remotely known, you can find people to talk shit about them. So congratulations, Matt Shea. You found people to talk shit about Andrew Tate. What, you want a medal, honey? That's what he put into his, do- his documentary. So it looks to me, again, like they weren't getting enough of they wanted what they wanted on site. They wanted some juice on site that they could, grrr, and they didn't get it. So they were like, oh, let's go talk to random women who say they hate Andrew. Yeah, let's plug that in. Yay. Ridiculous. Then, you, then it gets to the part about the war room. You all know about the war room? Justin Waller was on here with me a few weeks ago. He talked about how you should join the war room. And the War Room is essentially this group that you can join. You pay a certain amount a month, and you're part of this network of guys who are talking about self-improvement, betterment, self-defense, food. I mean, it's all sorts of topics that are approached there. Um, The attempt in the documentary is to paint the War Room as a dangerous cult, right? They put the music, the visuals. They chop in all this stuff from the outside that doesn't happen at the event. And Matt says, after our testy exchange this morning, Andrew invites me to watch him train Matt gets in the boxing ring, okay? He says, it turns out he's planning on teaching me a lesson. I mean, aren't you embarrassed as a grown man? I don't know how old Matt is. He looks like he's like early 30s, I would guess. You're not embarrassed as a grown man to be like, he's going to teach me a lesson. He's going to make me box. And Andrew says, have you ever boxed before? He says, no. Pure shame I would have felt at that point. Nothing but shame. My face would have gone white. I boxed before. You never put on boxing gloves, honey? This is part of the problem, isn't it? Isn't this part of the problem? You as a grown man, never boxed, never, I mean, what? So he boxes with the guys. It's training. It's like every time I went to Church Street Boxing, that's what unfolded. You saw a bunch of guys in a room and you saw them training. That's it. Nothing, no, there was nothing dark about it. I mean, has this guy never been to a gym? 
Maybe not. I don't know. He's got some little picture of him hugging a goat on Twitter as his picture. I don't know. I'm not going to judge. Anyway, I like goats. <laughs> Man. Okay. Help me, audience. Help a girl out. He says, I meet and get punched in the face by the inner circle of the war room. He's dead serious. It's just regular boxing. It's not like they all gathered around and were like, rah, rah. Just, a, just a sparring session happens. And this guy's like wounded emotionally as a result. Which truly tells you, this scene for me told me everything I needed to know about the documentary. Because they sent a guy in who's just an epitome of weakness to, to evaluate the war room. So you got the commentary that you thought you were going to get. <sighs> Then he goes on to say, and this is the, the key message of the documentary. Angel, you know what? Flag me if we have. Just stick your hand up if we have Super Chats because I won't know to check. This is a different type of format. In the world Andrew is creating, not only are women to be subjugated, but men are defined by their capacity to inflict violence. So they want to paint a world where women are slaves and men are violent. And they want to suggest that this is the world that he wants to create. By the way, can you think about this for a second? Would it not be a terrifying world if men, good men, didn't have the capacity to commit violence if they had to? Think about that. The bad guys would be celebrating if guys didn't know how to commit violence if they had to. Everybody wants a guy who knows how to defend themselves and their family. That is somehow the enemy when it comes to the Matt Chase of the world. Somehow he was bothered by the fact, I remember him saying at one point, well, the fact that you have guns here and the fact that you have knives, that makes you a little bit violent. No, it doesn't, honey. That doesn't make somebody violent. He said, why? Because I have a, if I had a knife at the table here, that makes me violent? Ridiculous. They really don't fundamentally understand the responsibilities, A, of a man, and what actual self-defense looks like. That they have to just run. This is, the, this is by the way, the anti-gun narrative that they ran through the documentary. I don't know if any of you 2A people caught that. Ridiculous. So then the guy, this guy comes in called the Sartorial Shooter. Have y'all seen him? Sartorial Shooter is a friend of Andrew's. Um, he, in the documentary, says he is responsible for some components of security when it comes to the war room. And I guess he was responsible that day of overseeing some of what went down. Matt didn't like it. So Matt says, we have a chaperone following us. Talk about a sartorial shooter. We've been told we're not allowed to talk to anyone, which isn't true because you see him then interview a bunch of people. Liar. Our chaperone vets who we speak to and tries to heavily control our questions. Interviewing under the chaperone supervision is proving, proving restrictive. My guess is, is that somebody there sensed that there, there was a rat in the house and weren't going to let him prance around and try to, you know, coax this out of that one, try to do something weird with people who were there, had paid for an event, and were just trying to take part in an event. Something, somebody sensed something and felt the need to oversee what was going on. And I would love to know at what point a red flag emerged. There had to be a point at which they were like, uh-oh, maybe there's a rat in the house. Tristan, it was like second one. But there was a point, I guarantee you, at which one of these guys said, mm-mm. In fact, one of the guys, Iggy Semmelweis, who is um, a war room insider, I guess you would call him, would talk to them. Good for you, man. Good for you. You knew. You knew it was a setup. You knew they were coming for you. They were going to use that content in some disturbing way, which, by the way, they did. They went and searched him and completely distorted his relationship with his wife of 15 years by trying to make it out like he was some abuser and she was, you know, subjugated. <laughs> Ridiculous. It's all a lie over and over and over again, woven through it. <sighs> At one point, there's a conversation with the sartorial shooter. They get into a car. 
Andrew's friend gets into a car with Matt Shea. And Matt acts like, oh, he wanted to do the interview in the car. Meantime, he says, hey, you want to do the interview in the car? <laughs> and Sergeant Realtor is like, okay. So they get in this fancy car, beautiful car. And then the editing happens. They cut it up. They, they do all this weird stuff to it to try to paint the sartorial shooter as someone who wants women to be subjugated again. Now, the, we have a tweet. Uh, Angel, you have that tweet from the sartorial shooter? Okay, we can run that. Sartorial shooter went on Twitter and said, to clarify, Vice selectively edited my chat with Matt Shea. I believe, of course, that women should have jobs. My point was that prioritizing career doesn't equal fulfillment. The happiest women I know prioritize their relationship family. He felt the need that he had to come out and say that because they, they edited him down so much. There's a point where he's just talking about traditional roles and what he believes people are happiest in when they you know, are fulfilling their traditional gender roles. They had to paint it bad. They had to cut it. Edit. It's so obvious that it's so heavily chopped up that I would love to know also how long that conversation was. But I'm guessing they were in there for triple the amount of time. And what's interesting is, have you ever heard the phrase my, my women or my woman or my girl? You ever hear a guy who's like really in love with a girl and he'll be like, oh, my girl. It's said with like pride. And the girl loves that. He said that. because She's like, yeah, yeah, that's my man. Or you'll say my man. Mm-mm. Matt took issue with that. At one point, the sartorial shooter says, you know, something like, well, Andrew says that he provides. For, Andrew says, we'll say things like I provide for my women. And he'll say, well, my women. Don't you see how that could be a problem? No. Why is it a problem? By the way, Women love, women who really like you, women who really like a guy, say a girl really is into a guy, if he says, my girl, she's hee hee, hair toss, you know. So this idea that women don't like men to be possessive in any way, and that's, they don't like men to be possessive when they don't like the guy. When they're into the guy, they're all about, you, the guy could be saying, my girl, my woman, my lady, my this, my, they're all the hee hee. So don't be fooled by the narrative. The narrative lies. So they tried to trap this guy, obviously. He wasn't having it. He's smart. This, he's smart as a whip, by the way, this sartorial shooter. I don't know him again. I've had a couple of exchanges with him, you know, written exchanges with him, because I was trying to figure out what was going on here. But I've never met these people in person. But, man, some of them run rings around this match, is all I'm going to say. Um, then there's all footage inserted. A whole bunch of footage inserted that's not from the event. You see an image of a woman bowing down, like as if I don't know what's going on. In the meantime, you find out. They, they put tweets up of this Iggy Semmelweiss where he's talking about webcam girls. Turns out he's talking about his now wife of 10 years. He's been with her for 15 years. They started a webcam business together. So everything is taken out of context repeatedly and consistently to get you think that this is a group of men who want to take women back to a time when women were unhappy, miserable, subjugated, and that they want to be kings. That's the messaging here. But they couldn't actually just film the event because the event didn't showcase that. So they had to just put in all this weird stuff with no context, sitting at a table, raising... You're like, what's going on here even? You're confused as to what's going on. That's what they want. And also, by the way, Matt says on multiple occasions, he says that the Tate team is in a PR crisis. There's a PR crisis. What PR crisis is going on? What he means is that through his little lens of the world he lives in, little elitist media, they don't like Tate, right? So Vice doesn't like Tate. The Washington Post doesn't like Tate, you know. All the liberal media outlets don't like Tate. Okay, that's your bubble, honey. Nobody cares. 
the meantime, the guy's got how many followers? He's got how many people listening to him? He's got how many people joining the war room? He's got how many people showing up to pay five grand? He's got how many people paying forty nine ninety nine or whatever it is a month? Okay. Um, we're going to get to ring day in a second, but let's get to your chats now. We can do that now, Angel. No Super chats. Holla. All right, no problem. First chat we got, uh, shout out to Mango, uh, Mangu King, excuse me. He said, the chat is unsure if, the, if this is live or recorded. Here's a test for y'all. <laughs> I guess he was just setting off the, the standard. This is live, y'all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It will say, when we post something that's pre-recorded, we put up a, um, what is that thing we put up? We put up something that says like, that it's, uh, I don't know if it's, a, I don't know what it is. It's something that you'll know. This is live. Get it. Uh, next, we have uh, John Bristol. He said, I'm a moderate progressive, uh, but these days I find myself agreeing more with conservatives like you because the DNC and their lapdogs in the press have gone so far out that it is considered gospel that men can become women. Crazy. Yeah, at some point they lost their minds, right? You can't say like man is a man is a woman is a woman. Now, okay, whoever's saying you can't say that, nuts. So you're like, okay, I guess I'll come over here and is this side nuts too? (laughs) I hear you. All right. Uh, also, shout out to Proud American 1776. He uh, said Andrew should be punched. Uh, Andrew should have punched him in the face. Great content as usual. Jed, keep up the great work. Yeah. No, you know what? I'm going to disagree with you there. Don't play their game because had Andrew punch him in the face, they would have loved that. Oh, they would have loved. Oh, my God. I got beaten up by Andrew Tate. Oh, you know, crying would have had to see him crying, which, by the way, I don't need to see. I don't know about you, but I don't need to see grown man. All hysterical. And that's what would have went down because we've all seen how Matt goes through life. And that probably would have happened. No, they should have just filmed it. They should have they should have filmed the filming and then released that because it would have just discredited the whole thing. That, that's what they should have done. All right. Last two. Uh, shout out to uh, Mangu King again. He said, meanwhile, no one is talking about the presidents, prime ministers, and powerful folks currently at WEF meetings. Oh, we're going to talk. By the way, we're covering Davos. Um, we're going to cover that. I have a special guest coming on Wednesday. By the way, Hunter Avalon is coming on Wednesday. Hunter um, doesn't like Andrew Tate, doesn't think female body count is a problem, is a vegan, and doesn't think the Matrix is real, I'm pretty sure. So that should be a conversation. We're going to have some conversations about Davos then. Don't, I don't think I'm going to let that one slide. You know I cover the World Economic Forum. I just need to, 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 I need to cover this documentary, and then we're going to move on. But I can't, let, I can't let liars and mainstream media get away with this kind of stuff without a check. So got to be that check, and then we move on. But oh, oh yeah, we're getting into Davos. Don't you worry. All right, last one. Uh, shout out to KS. He said, there is an article, uh, Wyoming Moves, to ban sales of new electric vehicles by 2035. Interesting. You know I don't like the electric cars, right? I know, Elon Musk, this, that. I'm not into it. I'm not into it because, again, anything that can be controlled with a button by an external force, I don't like it, right? Oh, you drove too many miles today. Click. I just, listen, conspiracy theories of today become the realities of tomorrow. We all know that, so... All right. And by the way, at the end of this, I'm going to do an update. I'm just going to share some information with you about the women that have come forward, the women that are showcased in the documentary and how they've been investigated already and their charges were dismissed for good reason, legally good reason. So we're going to we're going to get to that. There is a a, a closing section of this that explains to you why what was shown to you was so utterly deceptive that honestly it should have been pulled. That's how ridiculous they won't pull it, though, of course, because they have no integrity. So then you get to a ring day, by the way. This is a really interesting part because they showcase what happens at this war room event, and it's a cage fight, right? (laughs) And it's fascinating. These guys get in there, 
And Matt decides to get in because he wants to, you know, in order to report on it, you've got to be involved. And he says, watching me get chased around in the ring puts a smile on Andrew's face. And he really doesn't understand that moment. And you do see Andrew smiling. That was probably a moment where if you know Andrew Tate, Andrew Tate was proud of this guy for having the gonads. He was probably like, well, at least he's got at least one ball to get in there, right? He wasn't such a scaredy cat that he wouldn't get in. That was, that was a smile of pride. Like, all right, maybe this guy's not so bad. Maybe this guy has, his manhood is there somewhere. We just gotta, we gotta activate it again. That was a moment of pride. And, I, and it's fascinating why some men can't understand that if a guy is trying to inspire men, that it is a moment of pride to see a man get in shape, lose extra weight, get healthy, learn self-defense. These are things that make men feel powerful and pretty wonderful. So if you're a guy inspiring them to do that and they succeed, of course you're going to have a smile on your face. You're going to have a moment of pride. That's what it's all about. But Matt Shea can't understand that. He cannot understand it, or he refuses to understand that. Or he did understand it, but he knew that wouldn't make a documentary. So he took it out. Um, he, he, they claim that the people who didn't get in the ring were slammed and humiliated. I'd love to see that. I think Luke Barnett is in there saying, the shame you hold, hold on to it at one point. Probably because the guys were vocalizing that they felt embarrassed, that they, they hadn't made the choice to go in. But they allow those guys to have activities as well, right? And they talk to them. Why didn't you feel that you were able to get in the cage fight? You know, and maybe those guys talk about how they might be a little overweight or they didn't train. Or they, By the way, there's a great line from the, doc, from the documentary they did pull. It's not from Matt. But they say something to Tate about, like, guy raises his hand and says, is there going to be training before the fight? And Andrew says, no, there's not going to be training before the fight. If you've been lazy and haven't been training for the last X amount of days, is that my problem or yours? Great attitude to have, right? I'm not going to catch you up, right? That's like, you know, somebody, there's a test coming up, right, in school on a Friday and you didn't study. And now you expect somebody to give you a crash course on Thursday night? No, honey, you were supposed to be studying this whole time. And if you had studied a little bit every day, like we told you to, you would have been prepared for the pop quiz. Teacher in me was like, Rare. okay. Um, okay, let's see what we got here. Matt continues the quotes. Let's see what we have here. They all fight, whatever. And he says, the only real winner in this performance is Andrew Tate. Because again, he can't understand what's going on here. And this is, this is what's gone on with the, the destruction of masculinity in our society. That You now have men that can't understand that getting a bunch of men together and having them train and get in a boxing ring and having them go into a cage fight, which could be scary, but overcome that fear, get in there, do their best and come out, that that is good for men. Men need that struggle. They need to overcome. They need to rise up. They need to be able to prove themselves physically and emotionally, by the way, to go through that. And now you have a society of men in the modern world that would rather be weak and quiet and protected and sitting in a safe space. That is what leads to the destruction of a society at large. Weak men like that. And the matches of the world can't seem to understand that this is beneficial and that these guys are getting something out of this that's good. By the way, some people on Twitter, I think it was maybe it was Sterling Cooper, I'm not sure, had said, I don't remember if it was him, so don't quote me, but people were saying that there was a different energy on the ground, that Matt was saying that he saw the benefit in what Tate was saying and that he flipped like that when it came time to narrate the documentary because probably he got in trouble at home is the bottom line. All right, let's, and by at home, I mean at Vice Headquarters. <laughs> That's where mommy and daddy live, at Vice Headquarters. <laughs> okay, let's do the um, closing interview with Tate, and then I'm going to break down the voice memos. 
Y'all hear the voice memos? <laughs> okay. Closing interview with Tate. I was told it was three hours. It's what I read and was supported by people who were on the ground or close to three hours. They cut very little. They make it look extremely contentious. You know, he was looking for like, you could see Matt just dying for a fight. He was like, roll the cameras. I'm, I'm going to get one. I'm going to get. Apparently they used multiple shots. They like stuck in shots over and over again to have Tate look perplexed. I saw some edits of that that looked weird. Um, and at some point, you know, somebody steps in. I can't tell who it is. It's somebody off camera. I can't tell if it's sartorial. I can't tell who that is on the outside. Somebody says, these questions are loaded. This is a very clear narrative. I need to leave. And what I'm, I'm curious about is, why did it take so long? You know, why did it take so long for somebody to, to do something here? And my guess is that they didn't want to shut it down. Because if they shut it down, then the narrative would become, we got thrown out of the Tate house because they didn't like that we were going to tell the real story. The problem is, once you let a rat into the house, you're exposed. Right? So at that point, I don't know what you do. I really don't. But it seems to me that by the end, there were a number of people on the ground who realized why Matt Shea was there and that it, there was no honorable motivation for what had been done and they had had enough. Now, I'm going to, this part is important at the end. Um, they bring in two closing interviews with accusers of Andrew Tate. There's no names given, they, they give fake names. Um, there's no, um, they change the voices on one. Um, the first one, the, the accusations of these two women that they, they claim sexual assault, uh, they show a nervous girl, they, they're constantly showing her doing this with her hands. They want to, this is emotional manipulation of the audience. It happens all the time in media. They want you to try Andrew Tate in the court of public opinion. They want you to be emotionally like, oh my God, look at this girl. How could she be lying? Look, she's nervous. She's scared. What could be, they want you to have an emotional reaction to what's happening. That is the whole motivation of these two segments. Um, they play voice memos from Andrew. Now, what they don't tell you, the voice memos are actually, and I'm not going to play them. Again, I, I, I won't play this stuff because it's been manipulated, and I won't give credence to manipulated content. The voice memos are seven clips, seven individual clips that are edited together to be 43 seconds total. Now, some of the stuff that Andrew says, if you listen to it, you're like, oh, did he really say that? It's off-putting. Then you realize, well, wait a minute, what did the girl say before him? There's no context. You don't hear what the girl said before or after. In fact, you don't hear from the girl at all. So you don't know what's going on. You're like, is this a conversation they were having? Which, was this the nature of the conversation? Was it a kink conversation? And what's interesting is that these voice memos are portrayed as evidence to match A and Vice of sexual assault. And it's interesting, if you look at Vice, in the, in the next day or, or days after, they publish an article about consensual, non-consensual fantasy and how within a consensual setting, some women will have these fantasies about non-consensual acts, about you know strangulation, all this stuff. We had a girl on a panel. We, do you remember when we had that panel where we had a girl saying, looked like a regular girl to me, looked like uh, a modest girl, and she was like, one of, the, one of the things that she needed from a man, from guys on the checklist was like, make over 100K, blah, 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 must be willing to strangle me. She said it outright verbally. So this is real. There are women, I mean, Fifty Shades of Grey was popular for a reason. Because there were women that were like getting turned on to the idea of with someone that you trust in a consensual setting, there's this role play. There's this like victim slash perpetrator thing. It's, it's role play. It's like a fantasy role play that some people are into. It's not my thing, to be perfectly honest. But it does exist. And it is more prevalent 
then people realize, and in fact, Vice acknowledges that because they wrote an article and published it that same week that they released this stuff about the voice memo saying that this stuff is real. This non, uh, consensual, non-consensual fantasy is real among women. So I would love to ask them, well, did it occur to you that this was some type of kink going on? We already know that Andrew had been, these voice memos are from a long time ago. We already know that he had been involved in some type of kink because you had that video where he was like with the whip with the girl and the girl came out and said, it was consensual. This is just something we used to do. We were into kink, right? Okay, that's your thing. As long as it's consensual, I don't really care what you do. Right? It's your bedroom, not mine. So why did nobody ask? Why did nobody say that? And the vice said, well, we can't air this because we, we'd have to air what you said. Can we have what you said as well? Interesting. They chose to just chop up what he said and have the audience go, oh, because they can't see the context. That is the goal. Some were saying it was AI, by the way. I don't know if it was AI, if it was his voice. You, I don't know. Only he can attest to that. I don't know. The second girl they interview also alleges physical violence, strangling, whatnot. Um, she says she observed him sexually assaulting another woman. Then they show these texts on the screen, right, which they, they highlight. They pull out the words that they like. What's interesting about the text exchanges between her and Andrew that are shown, the text exchanges confirm that she gave consent in her own words. She says, and I quote, if I consent, it's not, I'm going to say grape, you know, YouTube. If I consent, it's not grape. Why would I talk to you if I didn't want to see you, she says. Admission, she wants to see him. She wants to be around him. So the text messages are actually saying the opposite of what she's alleging in, in, the, in the Vice interview. They say nothing was done. The case was left. That's actually not what happened. So here, I'm going to tell you what happened. Because, and let me tell you something. Women, a lot of women sent me these messages. And we're like, did you, did you hear this? And I know as a female, women walk through life and we are very conscious of the fact that we're small and there are many times when we feel vulnerable. You know, you walk down, you know, a, a block and you see like a big man coming at you. You're always in the back of your mind, whether he's, you know, harmful or not, it's like, oh my God, like it's, a, it, there is a component of just being small. There's a fragility to it. And a lot of women hear this and they, they just like have an immediate reaction. That was the point. That was the point. They wanted to trigger everybody so that they weren't rational and saying, where are the responses from the girls? Is the, you know, where they, were at, they, were, they were paralyzed by their horror and their fragility that they feel as a woman, oh my God, they put themselves in that situation, what would I do, what would I do? They start to panic because they're like, they've got the empathy going on and they've lost all rationality. That's what Vice was hoping for. That didn't work for me, so I went and did some research and I found out that these women their evidence was sent to the Crown Prosecution Service. It was sent to CPS. And we now know that it was dismissed, or as the woman says, was just left because the evidence didn't meet the legal standard. They got the evidence. And by that, by the way, CPS didn't only see what Andrew was saying, but CPS saw the conversations going back and forth. CPS saw what was on the other side of Andrew's message. And I don't know. What was that? What was the woman saying? Was it role play? Was something going on? CPS saw the text messages where there is consent be given front and center. She's saying, if I consent, it's not this. I want to see you. My guess is that, among other things, probably blew the whole thing up. So why, why, you ask, or let me ask for you for a second, why would Vice have two people on whose claims already were submitted to authorities and dismissed because there wasn't evidence to support those claims? Because it's not about facts, it's about emotion, again. They need you emotionally reacting to content. It doesn't matter if it's factual or not. They need you the same way we just lived through the last two years of the pandemic. It was all about fear. It wasn't about fact. It was about fear. 
This is the same thing. They want you afraid of this guy, feeling this guy is a threat, feeling like no matter what, he's got to be put away. He's bad. That's what the message is. Now, I would appreciate if they're going to showcase something like this, they should at least have the decency to do their research. They did the research, by the way. They did the research. They just didn't showcase it because they knew it didn't fit the narrative. Now, since then, some things have happened that I want to bring to your attention, and then we'll get back to, do we have chats? Okay, we're going to get back to the chat in just a second. Hit that subscribe button, by the way. Hit that like button. And by the way, listen, I know this is a different show. I know typically I'm on here. We've got the videos. We've got a lot of interaction. But this has to be done, okay? Because the matrix, the system, the powers that be expect me not to do it. They expect people like me to say, oh, it's a garbage organization. I'm just going to leave it alone. And you know what? Everybody does that. And what happens? The narrative sticks. And they disseminate their garbage. I can't have that, okay? So this has to be done. This is just some of, the, some of the grit we have to endure. So video has since emerged, by the way. We talked about these last two girls. Georgiana and Luana are two women who work with the Tates. They were also arrested initially. I think they've been released. That's my understanding. They have video, by the way. They have video of the girls that were claiming that they were held captive and the girls that were claiming assault dancing now i don't know if you have uh, do you have this um video do you see that youtube um do you have a youtube link there could we play it without sound don't put the sound on so mute them i just want to talk while it's georgiana and luana do this um interview and they show video of you can play it i just don't want it to have sound they show video of the girl there i think that's her right there they say the one with the tattoos and all that she claims she was sexually assaulted that's her dancing and partying right there with the tattoos in the house three weeks after the assault. She's dancing, she's drinking, she's partying. That's look, twerking, doing all sorts of stuff. I'm just curious. I'm just curious. Legitimate question. Okay, you can stop it. Um, legitimate question. If you had been the victim of something like that, would, does that seem like odd behavior to you, that you would stay in the house and be having a party, twerking, half naked, all? I mean, it just, something, something is not adding up for me. Because I'm not, I'm not coming at this from an emotional place. I'm coming at this from a factual place as a female, if something so horrid happened to me, I'm like, that seems like an odd reaction to me. They also, by the way, in that clip, we're not going to show it because it, you have to scroll through and all that. There's a girl that says that she was held captive. There's a video of her sitting at the table scrolling on her cell phone. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know any women who have been held captive who had their cell phone to just talk on and scroll and just have text. I mean, it would be kind of silly, right? You're going to hold somebody captive and they're just going to be like, oh, come get me. I'm held. Something's not adding up for me. Just saying. And there have been multiple videos. We showed videos, by the way, uh, last week. Of, oh, I have this on my phone. I wonder if I saved it. We showed videos last week of two other women, Romanian women, who had come forth and said, we're not victims. They keep saying that we're victims, but I'm here to tell you that we're not victims. Um, did I screenshot that? I don't know that I did. Oh, yes, I did. Here. Those, that's Beatrice and Jasmine. Uh, Romanian police deem them to be potential victims of Andrew. They're saying we're not They're all over the place now, by the way. Very attractive, uh, brunette and blonde out saying we're tired of this we're tired of people saying that we're victim we're telling you we're not these people are like family to us so what is going on that it seems to me like there is a rush to like they can't they're looking for something right they're looking for something they need a story they're looking for it and they they're not getting it so now it's like oh let's these are victim no we're not oh, we're, oh somebody else is the victim. oh yeah i mean it's like they're you're, you're trying really hard now here's what i say if the evidence is there why do you have to try so hard if the evidence is there, doesn't the evidence speak for itself? Okay. 
Um, let's go to the chat and then we're going to come back and I'm going to close with some stuff about Vice and I have a link that I want, want to show you guys. Um, and by the way, I hope you hung with me for this. I know it's tricky. I know it's different. I know it's, it's not as fun as the in and out of the clips, but thank you if you're here and you're sticking for this because listen, we, we, you have to disseminate the, the way that you counter actual misinformation is with truth. So you have to have the truth. And this is, this is the truth that I'm giving you today. This is really what was going on that they chose not to show you over advice because they're an agenda-driven driven rat hole. Yeah. All right. Yes, we got a lot. Um, shout out to Rowan Gokale. He said, you know, the problem with the left's uh, rhetoric, if it was actually true, society should be very different from what it is today. Yeah. Well, the left is, um, lives in, you know, when you ever see the Wizard of Oz when, you know, she goes and she's like over the rain. She's oh, in like munchkin land and all that. Like, oh, utopia. That's where they live. Like in their minds, they, that utopia, oh, everything's in the meantime, that's not reality. So that's how it goes. You're dealing with people who live in the world of subjectivity all the time, and your objectivity is hard for them. It troubles them. It makes them need to save space. So, All right, next, uh, shout out to Pereira Dad. He said, I can smell the soy oozing from Matt Shea's pores from here, and I live in Europe. Thanks for all you do. Watching that twice must have been penance. Yeah, I wonder if he's a vegan. <laughs> we should play a little game. Y'all, you down? I think we're going to play a little ba- game of Spot the Vegan. I think we should put a bunch of pictures up, and we should all try to figure out, are they a carnivore or are they vegan? We're going to do that. Spot the Vegan is a new game that we're going to have on JB Live. I hope you like it. Okay. Next, uh, shout out to uh, Scrobaka. He said, Tate is nothing more than a societal arms dealer. Uh, dealer. He has webcam girls and a uh, men's growth program. He's literally selling weapons to both sides of the war. Well, the thing is, like, First, I don't know if he does webcam anymore, but again, like you don't have to be into it. You don't have to be into webcam, but are these grown women or not? Like, I just don't understand. Like you can be like, okay, that's not my thing. I'm not into it. He says at one point in the video, he talks about how webcam saves men from suicide. I'd love to have that conversation with him. I don't know. But, um, either, either they're grown women able to make their own decisions and partner with who they want or not. So I, I just don't understand. Like, you can hate. There's a whole bunch of stuff that I can't stand. I mean, the whole fast food industry is poisoning people by the day, but I'm not going to sit and, what, what should I, stand outside McDonald's and prevent people from going in? I mean, that's just not what a free society looks like. So as long as somebody's of age and not being held against their will, it's your business. Okay. All right, next, so we got uh, Rohan uh, Gohail again. He said, we as a civilization have advanced to live extremely comfortable lives, which has been built by this apparently broken, uh, misogynistic, uh, toxic, uh, toxical, man, uh, masculine society uh, structure in place. Yeah, there is no toxic masculinity in society. There's an invented. Um, by the way, that was the whole goal here, was to paint Andrew Tate and the war room as actual toxic masculinity. They needed to prove their point. They, they, there's this point out there of toxic masculinity, and they see that a lot of men are rejecting that and saying, my masculinity is not toxic. So they do this documentary, and like, see, this, guy, this is it. This is really what toxic masculinity looks like. Because to Matt Shea, I guess, toxic masculinity means guys jumping into a ring and sparring. But to a, to, to a feminized guy, I mean, he, I'm sorry, but there, there is a component of him that's deeply feminized. He looks terrified three quarters of the time. If you're looking terrified as a grown man to get in a ring and get roughed up a little, something's gone wrong. 
Where have all the cowboys gone? Let me say it again. Okay. All right. Next, we have uh, Plant Magic Woman said, I can't even stand calling myself vegan simply due to the political left learning associations. We aren't all the same, y'all. Keep up the good work. Yeah, by the way, I was vegan. Um, I, was, I don't like to say vegan. I was plant-based for a while, and I did it right. I didn't do uh, fake meat and all that. You know what I was? Amino acid deficient. No joke. So I've been down that road. I know what that looks like. That's why I'm here to tell you it's not the way to go. All right. Uh, shout out to Steve33. He said, it matters not what the cars are fueled by, gas or electric. Both have computers, and both can be shut down with a button. That's true, but a, you realize a car is a, is a means by which you get from point A to point B. So if you're in a lockdown and you need to get out, or if you're, you can't, it's your mobility that they're trying to restrict, which is why you have the 15-minute cities. All of this stuff is to restrict mobility. That's like what a quarantine zone looks like. That means, I mean, don't think that they're, they're above that, a quarantine zone. I'm telling you, you're going to see a lot unfold in the next few years when it comes to the climate agenda that's going to start off as voluntary and it's quickly going to become mandated. And suddenly, all, everything that's digital is going to be very dark. You're going to see a darkness emerge from that digital world that you didn't know was coming. So a computer, yeah, it connects you to the internet, this, that, and the other thing, but you can stick your computer down, get in your car, and drive away. A car is, is very important in terms of mobility for people. All right, next uh, we got Rohan Gokeo again. He said, if it's so bad, quit, live outside the system, and then argue your point, and I might just be willing to accept that you have some standing. Till the, uh, till the left does, this is hypocrisy, plain and simple. Mm, yeah, that's true. All right, uh, next we also have uh, Costina uh, Soy said, the thing about the accuser is that she doesn't show her face as far as I know it. It could be a man or transvestite because we don't know who she is. Not the woman that defended him, they show their faces. Well, the people on record saying we're not victims are showing their face. Now, it's not uncommon for somebody, they, they say that the reason that the girls didn't show their faces was because they didn't want to get backlash from anyone that was a Tate supporter or hate. You know, because anytime you make a public statement about anything, half, 50% of the population hates what you've said. That's true. I mean, you're a target. Just by me sitting here and having a microphone and having a conversation with you, I'm a target to a segment of the population that's going to hate what I say. The problem what, for me was not that. The problem was, I'm looking at this from a media angle. When you film somebody and you're do, filming this, tight shots on them, nervous, you're, you're emotionally manipulating the audience. When you're filming people and choosing to film people to make a point that someone is guilty of something and you don't, you don't properly disclose that, that those cases have already been dismissed, and they do put a little, they put a little um, uh, I don't know, disclaimer in there, that says that, oh, you know, the, the, the uh, police said that there wasn't enough evidence. They do put that in there. But, okay, then why, why did you showcase all this? They put that in after they've already been emotionally manipulated the whole audience, and then they go on to say that rape is very hard to prove, and they go through this whole thing. At the end, the whole show, the whole documentary closes with, like, if you've been a victim of a sexual assault, which is, you know, it's, it's mind programming all of this. When in reality, they just could have presented the facts, right? And no one, again, I will say, no one knows. I don't know the details of what's going on with the charges right now. That's not what this conversation is about. This conversation is about when, when media does have accurate information, they choose to distort it, they choose to eliminate it, and they choose to try to manipulate you with their version of the truth so that you will feel a certain type of way about Andrew Tate or, or someone else. And that is what I'm calling out. That is what is on the chopping block for me today. All right. We only got five more. Okay. Um, and then I'm going to close up. Got it. You're going to like this one, uh -huh. Jed. Uh, 
Delhi wrote, make no mistake, Delhi will be back soon. Delhi! <laughs> Delhi got feisty. What can I say? Okay. All right. Uh, then we have the lethal uh, di- uh, d- dosage. He said, this exact thing is being perpetrated in this country against Marilyn Manson for almost two years now. Okay. Um, next, then we have uh, John Bristol. He said, we should stop using the word woke to describe these um, hardline uh, leftists. <laughs> these people aren't awake. They may be walking around with their eyes open, but their minds are turned on. Uh, he said, aren't turned on. I like the term post-reality. No, you know what they are? Y'all ever seen, um, first of all, you ever seen the Invasion of the Body Snatchers? Y'all ever seen that movie? You got to go watch the original. My dad showed that to me when I was really young. Yes, I saw horror movies when I was a kid. No, it didn't scar me. You know what it did? It made me not afraid of horror movies ever. Like, I could watch anything. Try to scare me. It's not going to happen. Anyway, um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers is when the pod people... You know, you know this movie where, like, you go to sleep at night, not to scare y'all, but you go to sleep at night, and there's these, like, pods, and they, like, take over your soul, and essentially they roam the earth, but they're, like, programmed... And they all look, kind of look like this. And they're like they're, they're a version of you that looks like you, but it's lost its soul. That's what's going on with the modern left. They're kind of just programmed. They're hypnotized. They're walking around like the, you know, the pod people, you know, all that stuff. They've lost their... And that's what happens when you lose your ability to think freely. You're no longer a free-thinking person, and you're a puppet of the state. That's what's going on with the modern left today. All right. Last two. Uh, shout out to Anthony Graham. He asked, did you see Robert Downey Jr.'s vegan transformation yes i did physically yes he's not looking so good he's not looking so good. we're gonna have to talk about this at some point too maybe we'll do it with hunter but I, I i'm telling you pull 10 vegans and pull 10 people who eat really good high quality animal protein and you look look at them side by side and and the vegans will not hold up so well in comparison in terms of skin elasticity in terms of just looking like they need to eat they always look like they need to be fed like there's something missing and that is because oftentimes there is something missing from their nutritional complex that's just it you just can't get from a vegan diet i'm saying that as somebody who by the way fully encourages people you know eat what you want do what you want for your own health i did it i get it Mm -mm, it's not the way all right last one uh shout out to local focal sales they said uh, Oprah once spoke out against the hormone-filled meat industry, and the Matrix attached her until she bent the knee. Also, she was a friend of Jeff Neck, uh, Ty Esteen, where is Neo when you need him? Yeah, okay, so, and on the meat stuff, by the way, uh, I don't know what you're talking about with Oprah, because I don't really follow Oprah that much, but y- you do want to look for, like, the reason I get uh, meat from farms is because there's no hormones, there's no antibiotics. All that stuff actually does negatively impact what you get out of the meat. In fact, when you eat high-quality meat that, say, you get from a farm, you get some short ribs or something, and they're fatty, right? That fat, nutritionally, when the meat is of good quality, that fat absorbs a lot of that good quality, and actually consuming that some of that fat can be beneficial. But if the meat isn't of good quality, that fat holds on to a lot of the negativity, and then it becomes the opposite. So quality matters, it does in this game in the same way that quality matters when you're eating vegetables. When we talk about pesticides and all, there's a, there's a role and a discussion for all of that. Um, and there's, by the way, a way to do it in a way that's affordable. It's interesting. I order some of my meat from, um, some of my eggs actually from a farm because I know that they're not washing them up with some chemicals, all that nasty stuff that happens. And they're actually less expensive than your grocery store organic eggs, which a lot of people are opting for organic. So we'll break down some health stuff for you at one point, at some point, because I learned a lot about that that's beneficial. I want to close this Andrew Tate stuff by saying this. 
two things. First of all, um, what's this? Oh, yeah. So it's clear to me, upon watching it twice, that it's a hit piece, right? I think we can all say that, that there was a, there was a goal here, there was a motive, there was an intention that they had that was dark, that was sinister. I do believe that they went there and they thought that they were going to see more that they could pull from, from on site. Um, I don't believe for a second that they couldn't do that because they couldn't talk to people because that's just not how it works. I mean, and they did talk to a bunch of people. We saw that. I think that what happened was there was a desperation that set in. I think there was probably a phone call that was made from Matt home to, you know, vice mommy and daddy. And they probably said, what do you got? And he probably said, I'm not getting this, that, and the other thing. Actually, I'm seeing this. It could be construed as positive, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, okay. When he got home and he had that footage, they were like, mm-mm. So then it was time to splice and edit and try to, you know, what, what can we do here to create something that's not here, okay? Um, deeply disingenuous stuff going on in many capacities. So that happened. Um, and it's interesting because when you look into Vice, one thing that was brought up is that Vice not only is completely agenda-driven, it's a hard left woke, I'm going to use the word woke, invasion of the body snatcher-ish organization. And it's interesting. People were pointing to a recent article that came out of Vice that says pedophilia is a mental health issue. Okay? That's what they're publishing. It says, this is the title from them, pedophilia is a mental health issue. It's still not treated as one. And uh, we've seen, you know, odd justifications emerge for pedophilia, really weird stuff. That's the article. So you ask yourself, this is, what, this is what I ask you to do. First of all, when stuff comes like this, research where it's coming from, right? So, you know, the organization that's going to put this out, maybe there's an agenda there. Look at some of the other stuff they put out. Look at who funds them, this, that, and the other thing. But people say, should I watch it? Should I watch it? The reason to watch something like that is if you're going to do what I'm doing right here. Right. If you're going to watch it, if you're going to be able to watch it with an objective eye and if you're going to be able to do a proper assessment of what went on here. Now, had this been uh, a biased documentary, but, you know, that clearly had an agenda, but there was there was factual stuff going on. And, well, this girl was mentioned and look, the case checks out. And I would have absolutely come here today and told you that. But you see what I just what I just showed you, that who they chose to feature had already been, you know, people whose information had been looked at whose the case had been looked at and dismissed. So, you know, it, it's, it's, this is what liberal organizations do today. Um, and frankly, I think the, the biggest takeaway that you have from what I said today is that they should have taped the taping. And people don't say that a lot. That's not something that I hear people say. You've got to tape the taping. You have somebody coming over. By the way, anybody, I don't know, there's some high-profile people that listen sometimes to the channel. They write me. They let me know. You have somebody coming over that wants to do an interview and you're not sure about them. Just say that. Say, hey, listen, I have no problem with that, but I have my cameraman. They're just going to, like, tape what's going on. You start seeing, like, some Matt Lachey, like, panic in the face, and you saw that a lot through the documentary. There was a lot of, like, this going on and a lot of, I don't know. I was like, what, is he scared? Like, does he have to go to the bathroom? At one point, I was like, this dude's got to go to the bathroom. Couldn't they pause? Because he looked, you know that panic? We've got to go to the bathroom. There's no bathroom. That's the look in his eye through most of the documentary. So if they do that, when you say you're going to tape the taping, you know what you're dealing with. Um, and don't be afraid to say it, because you know what? You'll, you'll regret it after. You'll regret it after if they get away with this. And I understand uh, Andrew's comment about, oh, what can they do to me? What can they do to me? But it does you no favors to build them up to give them clicks, to make them money, and to allow them and their matrix connections to disseminate information about you that, you know, is full of holes, is full of lies, and is full of distortions. Not helpful. So that would be my advice. Everyone, I thank you for, yeah? You got one more? Okay, one. one more. 
All right. Uh, last uh, super chat. Uh, shout out to Lily through dosage. He said the reason I brought up uh, Manson is there is so much meat in the uh, in the bones as the hoax going on right in front of everyone. I don't know a lot about Manson, but maybe I'll look into it now that you said that. I want to thank everyone. So Wednesday, I want to hit that subscribe button, hit that like button. I know it's not as entertaining a show without the videos of the crazy modern women. I get it. Thank you for being here with me today. I think this is an important show. Sometimes we got to keep it serious. Sometimes we got to do the job that we need to do to break down um, lies and deception. And I will, I will keep you posted on the Tate case. And I'm just being honest with you day to day, what I'm finding, what I'm seeing. I'm interested in facts. I'm not interested in emotional reactions to things. I just don't have time for that. Um, neither should you. And Wednesday we have, as long as everything goes according to plan, we have Hunter Avalone coming in. He will be here. He will be live in studio. It will be a hot debate. We're going to talk everything. Body count, veganism versus being a carnivore. I think he used to be a conservative and switched over to a liberal. Uh, he's not a fan of Tate. Um, I think we're pretty much going to disagree on everything. So stay tuned. That'll be 1 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesday. I'll see you then.